After Moses died, God gave Joshua the job of leading the Israelites. The first thing he did was send spies into Jericho, a city Israel was about to invade. While they were there, the two spies hid in the home of a woman named Rahab, who was a prostitute. That day, the king of Jericho heard about the spies, but Rahab hid the two spies on her roof and told the king's messengers that the spies had already left and she didn't know where they were. Then, when it was safe, she lowered the men down to the ground using a rope. Days later, Joshua led his army to the city of Jericho. They marched around the walls of the city for seven days. Then, on the seventh day, they marched around the wall seven times, blew their trumpets, and let out a loud shout. When they did, the walls of the city completely collapsed, and Israel's army charged in and conquered the city. They burned the city to the ground and killed every man, woman, child, and animal in the city, except for Rahab and her family. For years, Joshua and the Israelites marched through the Promised Land, defeating their enemies, killing every living thing in each city, and dedicating their victories to God. Eventually, the Israelites took control of much of the Promised Land. Finally, when he was very old, Joshua gathered all of the leaders of Israel around him. Just like Moses did, he reminded everyone of all the things God had done for them. Then, he placed a large stone under an oak tree as a reminder to all to follow the laws of God. All right, good morning, East Point. All right, I hope everyone's doing well. I tell you what, um, that worship, uh, our worship uh, band, but I tell you what, if that didn't get your blood going, your heart beating, I don't know, you need your heart checked possibly. But hey, we got a lot to celebrate, um, and I, I pray that that's true in your life. I, I'd say that uh, there's, it's never more true than, uh, than for uh, Dustin Fulton this week, and Kristen, this whole family, even his in-laws here, are, and, and Amy Keller here too. Maybe that's why she was singing so, so loud. The Fighting Illini beat the big mighty Penn State yesterday. Show them, show them your shirt here, Dustin. All right, no one's shining brighter than Dustin Fulton today. All right. Um, just appreciate the Fultons and what they've brought here to East Point. I appreciate our friendship. I've appreciated that Dustin loves to golf almost more than I do. And a, a couple weeks ago, we went out Par three, 160 yards. I, I hit one. It just, it was not a good shot. I was upset after the ball uh, left my club. And I thought, well, maybe it'll just roll onto the green. It, it rolled onto the green. Dustin will tell you, 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 if you can't believe two pastors, you're in trouble here. But <laughs> this ball rolled up. It was going towards the hole. Boom, it went right in. We just looked at each other like, did that just really happen? But it was something else. All right. So we got a lot to celebrate more so than just on the sporting fields, believe me, okay? And it's time to take the promised land. The battle begins, and we're in Joshua 1. Uh, they've spent too, way too much time in the wilderness, and they're on the banks of the Jordan River here, and it is time to take this promised land. It's been 600 years since he had promised it to Abraham, and uh, I pray that this, this morning that you get an understanding that we each all have our promised land that we need to take. And so let's get into Joshua today, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. 
And it just says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, you think that Adam and Eve were the only ones that didn't have parents? Well, Joshua, son of Nun, a couple of you got it. All right, it was a terrible joke. All right, sorry. Moses, aid. Moses, my servant is dead. We go from that joke to Moses, my servant is dead. All right, anyways, keep going. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditated on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan. Here to go in and, and take the... And here to go to in and take the possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. The New American Standard Version says John 10, 10, like this. The thief comes to only to kill, steal, and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. In the New International Version, it says a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I've entitled this sermon today, It is Time to Take Hold of the Promised Land, to take hold of your promised land. The story entitled this week, The Battle Begins, and whatever the title might be, the point that hopefully you will hear loud and clear this morning is that God has a promised land set aside for each one of us. Have you ever been faced with a challenge that was so great, that seemed so overwhelming that it scared you to death? I know that I have. And there's been several. One of those fears is this, is that I would have to physically, I'd have to physically defend my wife someday. My wife's sitting right there in the middle there, and I would do that for my wife, all right? I, I, I've told her many times I would die for you, Audra, all right? I told her over and over again. Then one day she said, said, Andre, you keep saying you'll die for me, but, but you never do. <laughs> she didn't really say that. <laughs> that's, that's a joke. But, but she's got me this... That, <laughs> She, she instilled this fear in me that I had to defend her for this reason. When we were first dating, 
You know, she grew up in New Jersey. She learned to drive in New Jersey. If you've ever driven in New Jersey, this will make sense to you. You know, out here we have offensive drivers. You know, we got places to go, places to be, but we're going to get there. Uh, we did some ministry out in Iowa. There are defensive drivers out there. You know, it's a little bit slower pace. They don't have to be home till the cows come home. So, you know, we, we'll get there when we get there. All right? And, uh, but out in New Jersey, that's where all the referees live. All right. If you make a mistake out in New Jersey, you're going to hear about it. They're going to honk their horn. They're going to wave to you uh, in a very unique way. And, um, and, and whenever Audra and I were first driving together, somebody would pull out in front of us or something like that. They would uh, do something against this, was against the, the driving rules. And she would lean over and honk my horn at this person. I'm like, what just happened here? Why are you honking your horn, first of all? And that's my horn. You're going to get us, you're going to get me into a fight. And I mean, I defend, and it's not going to go well. Every time I think about defending my wife, it never ends in me beating somebody up. That's not going to happen. That's not how it ends. It always ends up in me getting beat up and hoping that Audra is fast enough to run away, all right, and get some help. We've all been in situations or challenging situations where we're scared to death. I know in our part of our grow group, we're doing this video series, and Randy Frazee uses, Randy Frazee uses the example of D-Day, World War II, whenever he talks about this overwhelming challenge. I couldn't imagine being on one of those U-boats. And he says that for Patton, he wasn't about defending anything. The day before D-Day, when the troops stormed the beaches of Normandy, General Patton gave a very spirited and horrifying speech to the troops. And this is just a portion of it, and I cleaned it up really well. I, I, I looked the speech up, I cleaned it up, and it says, but he says, I don't want to get any messages saying, I am holding my position. We are not holding we are advancing constantly. We are not interested in holding on to anything and keep advancing regardless of whether or not we have to go over or under or through the enemy. His promised land was this, was to defeat the enemy, to defeat the Nazi army, to defeat tyranny at its worst. And there was nothing that was going to stop General Patton and his troops, nothing on that day. And today I ask this, what is your promised land? What are you willing to sacrifice for it? Are you willing to go under, over, or through the enemy to get to it? And maybe for some of us that promised land is this, just a renewed marriage. You need God to, to breathe life back into your marriage, back into that relationship. Maybe that promised land is a freedom from an addiction that you've been dealing with for years and years. Or maybe it's a health concern that's just overwhelmed your heart. Possibly it's a promotion that you've been desiring for years at work. Or maybe it's a new job or a job period. Maybe financial debt has been weighing on you for far too long and you don't know which way to turn. Or possibly your promised land is just this. It's just the a restored relationship with a family member that you've been at odds with for too long. Maybe it's a son or a daughter. 
a mom or a dad. And that relationship just needs to be restored. Or maybe it's somebody that you love that needs to know Jesus. That their salvation is in jeopardy. Maybe that's your promised land. Maybe it's something that God has laid on your heart that you've just put off for far too long and fear is holding you back. Or maybe it's your pride. Or maybe you're just too busy. God, I'll get to it whenever I have time. I just met with a young man that feels like he's on the banks of the Jordan River at this moment. He has a good job. He's got a young family, beautiful family, and he just, but he just feels this nudge that God has something bigger for him, something better for him. He gave his life to Jesus Christ only a couple years ago, and as he's grown in his relationship with Jesus Christ, and as he's gotten to know what it means to follow him, he's starting to pray those scary prayers. God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? How can I be best used for your kingdom? Do you want me to go into full-time Christian ministry? Is he scared? I'd say absolutely he's scared. But getting to know his heart, I think he's more scared that, not, that he won't be in God's will. He's more scared that he's, of not going through those open doors. He's more scared of not following his heart that God is leading him towards. And I don't know the desires of your heart. Only you know those things that are weighing on your heart. Things that are keeping you from all that God has intended you to be. From having that life that God has called you to have. And for just settling for second, be- second best. For 40 years, the Israelites had settled for second best. For 40 years earlier, they were on the verge of taking that promised land. And Joshua Caleb came out of that promised land and said, Hey, let's go. We can take these guys. With God on our side, no one can stop us. But there was 10 other spies that came back and said, Joshua and Caleb, you need to shut your mouths. There's giants in there. We'll be annihilated. We'll be killed. And as a result of their unfaithfulness, they spent 40 years, 40 years wandering in the wilderness. How many of us have been right on the verge of being all in and we just couldn't get ourselves to go in, and as a result, we're still dealing with hurt. We're still dealing with addiction. We're still dealing with sin. We're still dealing with brokenness years and years later. I say it's time to fight. It's time to get past that Jordan River. It's time to take that promised land. And point number one is this. You have been commissioned to take your promised land. You have been commissioned. Benjamin Franklin said, most men die at 25, but just aren't buried until they're 75. I don't want to be that guy. In the book, Waking the Dead by John Eldridge, he uses a quote by Arrhenius, a second century author and theologian, who says, the glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is man fully alive. Irenaeus is talking about the heart, and hopefully you will get this because we are in a battle every day for our hearts. Eldridge would argue that our hearts as Christians are redeemed, but we don't allow them to be transformed. 
Without that transformation, we don't experience the abundant life that God has for us. Everything that's added unto us. God has so much more in store for us than the assurance that we'll be with him in eternity someday. He wants us to go. He wants us to take that promised land and he wants us to take it now. He doesn't want us to settle for second best. He doesn't want us to settle for right on the banks of the Jordan River or even just across it. He wants us to go in and take that Jericho. Whatever it takes, just follow me. For the Israelites, it was just beyond that Jordan River. It was a piece of land that was flowing with milk and honey. So here it is. This is our own Jordan River. Our own Jordan River is this. It's the flesh. In Romans 7, 18, it says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. And every day we battle and fight our flesh for the promised land, the abundant life. And I don't, feel like, I don't feel like loving my neighbor today. I don't feel like being kind. I don't feel like getting into God's word. I don't feel like praying. And we miss out on so much. And just as God commissioned Joshua and the Israelites, he commissions us as well. And he says, here's what I need you to do. I need you to trust. I need you to trust and obey. For there's no other way. Trust and obey. Humble yourselves to follow all the laws Moses gave you. All the laws. When we humble ourselves to do it God's way, this will lead our lives and hearts to transformation. Transformation will lead to a deep and meaningful relationship with God. And that relationship will lead to the healing and freedom, which is in turn, which in turn will lead us to that abundant life. And you'll start praying those scary prayers. God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to give up? How can I sacrifice? How can I do more? It says to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Do you believe that? In Romans 6, it says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life, a new life in him, an abundant life. And we don't just settle for just beyond the Jordan. Christ Jesus died so that we don't have to live in that life any longer and there, because there's something more out there. But we need to be all in. We have our orders, we have been commissioned, and we need to fight, fight daily for our hearts, the promised land. So we need to get ready for that fight. In verses 10 and 11, Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you from, uh, for your own. We need to be prepared for that battle. For the Israelites, not only does this mean that they will need to put on the battle gear, but as God as God told Joshua, they need to carefully obey the word and trust it. And the blueprint for this battle, the battle plan has been set. We need to be people of the word. In Joshua 1.8, it says, Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. 
You see, the only time that they were successful, unsuccessful in taking of the promised land was when Achan violated the instructions that God had given him, and he kept some of the spoils, he kept some of the property of Jericho for himself. In their second conquest, they went to conquest this place called Ai, which was very aptly spelled Ai, all right? They failed. They failed. And we're told that Achan acted unfaithfully by taking some of the devoted things that should have been consecrated to the Lord. And God did not go before them whenever they went to fight the battle of Ai, and they failed. When Joshua dealt with the situation, and rather harshly, the next time they went to Ai, the second time around, they had victory. They won. And after the victory, Joshua gathered all the people together and he read the word. He said, this is not going to happen again. We are not going into battle. Contrary to God's word. And in Joshua 8, 34 and 35, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as it was written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and the children and the foreigners who lived among them. If God's word says it, then we do it. Period. We need to be people of prayer. God says that in order to get the land, he says, trust me. Says Joshua, Moses is dead, go, the land is ready. And then four times, he says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous. And why do you think God had to tell Joshua four times to be strong and courageous? Because he was scared out of his mind. I couldn't imagine being faced with that battle, being faced with that calling, go and take this land. There's giants there, there's big walls there, there's giant armies, there's giant problems. And undoubtedly, undoubtedly, Joshua had a giant fear. And I know that's why God tells him, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You see, here's the great litmus test to know if this calling that God has placed on your heart is from you or is from God. See, if you can fulfill this calling that God, you feel like God has on your life, on your own, it's not from God. A calling from God needs God to be a part of it. There should be a part of you saying, there's no way, God, I can do that. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. There's no way, God, I can do that. And then you hear his voice saying, Son, daughter, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This past week, our small group, we started talking about the missionaries from Ohio that were kidnapped in Haiti. And our first reaction was this, very human reaction. 
what are they doing? Why are they going to Haiti right now with everything that's going on? Why would they do that? But then through prayer, all of a sudden, our minds and our hearts started to shift towards their situation. They said, from what are they doing over there to what is God doing through them over there? Maybe God has them exactly where he wants them. And absolutely, there is evil everywhere, but only God can. Do we believe that or not? It is only through prayer that God can take our test and turn it into our triumph, our mess, turn it into our message. We need to be a people of prayer if we want to know God's direction, if we, and if we want to be ready, ready to go. We need to be people of prayer. We also need to be people of faith. For each one of us, there's 10 words that keep us in the dark. For each one of us, there's 10 words that hold us back from being all who God has called us to be. There's 10 words that is the number one reason that we are fearful, that we allow our pride to hold us back, that we walk by sight rather than faith. And those 10 words are this. What will other people think? And what will other people say? What will other people think and what will other people say? We've all asked those questions of ourselves and it's held us back for far too long. In 2 Timothy 1.7 it says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. I love Joshua's commands to his officers. He says, You will cross the Jordan and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. And finally, at the end of the chapter, they come back to Joshua and they say, Joshua... We're all in. Let's go. Let's roll. The battle plan has been set. We need to be people of prayer. We need to be people of the word. And we need to be people of faith. And it's up to us, to each one of us, to simply make a decision. Are we in or are we out? Are we going to surrender to him or surrender to ourselves? Lukewarm will not cut it in this battle. God has a plan for you that is much greater than anything that you or I could imagine. He wants you to receive that victory now. He wants you to experience the abundant life now. And what's going to be that first step for you? These words had stood in vain for way too long when God promised Abraham to make Israel a great nation. 600 years had passed. They spent 400 years in slavery. They spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And finally, it was Joshua who says, it is time right now. Let's go. Let's take this land that God has given to us. And I really feel like God is telling the church this. He doesn't want, he doesn't want to get any messages from the church that we are holding our position. We're not holding on to anything. We are constantly advancing. I don't care what stands in the way. We are advancing whether we have to go over or under or through the enemy. We will not be stopped. 4,500 churches every year close their doors because they decide that they're content at holding their position rather than advancing as God has directed each one of us. I mean, what part of go and make disciples of all nations is an option? We have been commissioned, you have been commissioned to get ready and fight, to fight for your life, to fight for your heart. And I say, don't waste your time settling for God's seconds. 
it is time right now to take that promised land that God has laid on your hearts. It's time to fight, and it's worth the fight. When Joshua was all done with all the battles and on the battlefield, they had taken the promised land. He gathered everyone together because the battle was not over. Their battle for their hearts had just begun. And he said to them, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Can you say that today? I don't know about you, but the battles that God has told me to fight, I need Jesus. I need him. I need him in my house. I need him when I'm riding along the road, when I'm with others. I need him because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus Christ. And today I'm telling you that there is a promised land that has already been given to you through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that new life is just across the river. You just need to say yes. Let's go. Amen. And I urge you to take hold of it. Are you in or are you out? Maybe there's someone here today that's never said yes to Son Jesus Christ, who fought and died for your heart, for your life. And I said, here's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's all for you. Take and eat. Let's pray. God, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your servant, Joshua, who's just a great example of a warrior for Jesus Christ. I pray that each one of us can say, I fought, I gave, I sacrificed. I gave my all so I could experience the best in this life and the life to come. God, we don't want to be a church that holds our ground here. God, you've called us to advance, to go and make disciples of all nations. Help us to have that on our hearts everywhere we go. Help us to lead in love and kindness and goodness. Help us to sacrifice. To share your good news with others. God, I thank you again for your son, Jesus Christ and what he means to each one of us. Help us to take that with us. We love you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.